0: Hi everyone, Georgia here. Thank you very much for tuning in to Chinese Chippy Girl, a show that started off in August 2020 talking about my life as a BBC, British-born Chinese and the common BBC experiences of growing up above the takeaway. But what I've learned since my show, since my first show, is that there is a much, much wider EC, Eastern Southeast Asian community, where collectively we are an underrepresented community here in the UK, and we all have a story to share. So since then, I've brought guests on the show from different parts of the EC community where they have shared their story and to amplify our voices. Because you know what? We have a voice and we will absolutely use it. For those who are following me from the start, thank you so much for your support, whether it's listening to the show, sharing it with your friends, sending me cute little love hearts on Insta, giving me a five star rating. Oh, which by the way, if you haven't rated me already, please do an Apple pod and Spotify have, (laughs) sorry, Spotify have now started allowing users to rate people too. I should maybe repeat that. It's fine. Um, anyway, going back to my intro. Honestly, all the uh, support means so much to me. For those who are new, welcome, welcome, and I hope you enjoy the shows. On today's show, I have someone who I totally admire, a fellow BBC, fellow mama, Fellow Backstreet Boy fan, and just an amazing human. Yes, there are amazing people out there. I have been meaning to get her on the show since I discovered her almost a year ago. I found her as she has a podcast called the Medic Mom Podcast, which I highly recommend to any parents out there. She has the best hair game on Instagram. Total fact. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Dr. Stephanie Genchi Ui and I've totally butchered your name.
1: <laughs> no, that was perfect. Oh my God, thank you so much. I can feel myself going red. That was like the best intro ever. <laughs> yeah, you, you know can what? follow, you can come with me anywhere and just announce my, like announce my entrance into like the
0: room. <laughs> I feel like I need like sound effects or something. Oh, if, I, so if, nice. I, if I could play sound, to your yeah. intro what would your what would your song be basically
1: oh my god when you mentioned Backstreet Boys I feel like it should be a Backstreet Boys yeah. song then <laughs> I love
0: the Backstreet Boys it was really funny because when I was preparing for our show I basically looked back since the start of our DMs just just yeah. to check you know how long we've been chatting for Got yeah. some dates, how long we've been chatting <laughs> for and I mean I think we've totally uh, fangirl each other because I think we found each other at the same time yeah. and I do actually remember you left me a message when I was listening to the medic mom podcast now but like, <laughs> this is so weird and uh and I think we left each other messages and I've been I think you did um and ask me anything on Instagram and I asked mm. you when you come on my show and that was like last year but just life has happened so much has happened and then it's just been good, so good to to get you on the show but the the funny thing is when i was going through our dms was that we were talking about backstreet boys (laughs) now my favorite backstreet boy is kevin richardson and i've never met Another Kevin Richardson fan. And you were like, oh my god, my favorite's also Kevin Richardson. I know. It's so true.
1: Everyone was always about what's his face, Nick Carter. But I was like, no, I just don't see it. I was, yeah, I was a diehard Kevin fan. So it was, yeah, I agree. It was
0: just meant to be. Yeah, to be. (laughs) I remember at school when I was at high school, we had uh, these uh these diaries and like, well, not that it's like kind of like planners and mm. at the back of it they've got quite a few pages where you can write notes and stuff <laughs> but instead I got loads of Backstreet Boys stickers and stuck them at the back and then I think Kevin Richardson his his birthday is like the 3rd of October so that was the good not that you know day. or anything not I that know. You remember. but no not that I remember but basically he no, sorry. so so there was quite a few of us who were so big into Backstreet Boys um, a few of the girls that were also into Oasis um, but we mm-hmm. were like the Backstreet Boys crew, the Backstreet Boy crew and and I told people that we were going to get married on the 3rd of October oh, my and God then me, people wrote like RSVP cards so we're, we're totally going off topic here I know you're supposed to do the intro but I've just completely no taken I over love the show this. I love and this. my mum and dad they knew that I was a big 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 Backstreet Boy fan and I think I just went on and on and on about them and then my mum and dad they both laughed at me and my mum said you will never marry Kevin Richardson and I was like why not I'm gonna marry him and she was, and my mum was like no you're not because you're a chippy girl he'll never go oh. for a chippy girl and honestly Steph I cried and cried and cried oh. and then I took my apron off because I was working in the chippy I took my apron off and then I, I ran away <laughs> where did you go I just went to my friend's down house the down the road, road. <laughs> oh my but goodness I, I she's called Heidi I've totally lost touch with her but I knocked on the door and her mum opened the door and I was crying and, she, and my friend Heidi was just up the stairs she goes oh my god what's wrong I was like my mum and dad don't think I'm gonna marry Kevin <laughs> 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 I was, oh my then,
1: god but I, I love I'm, that
0: well, we both sat around her bed. She goes, you are going to marry Kevin Richardson because I'm going to marry Nick Carter. I like, oh, just said so much. My friend Heidi, she was like, you can stay here forever until we meet the Backstreet Boys. It's fine. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll stay here. I never want to see my mum and dad again. And then literally an hour later, um, Heidi gets a phone call. Her mum picks up the phone. Because obviously this is like way before mobile. And then Heidi's mum comes up upstairs to our room and she's like, Georgie, you have to go home. I'm like, okay then. Oh, okay. so i all went right. home but back I to remember, reality when i went home i do remember when i went home obviously it was quite tense because i didn't want to see my mum and dad they didn't believe me that i was going to marry a backstreet boy but uh, on the table there's like this big spread of food you know how the chinese oh, love language yeah, yeah, is food yeah, yeah, yeah. They, like, my mum yeah. and dad they're not going to say sorry they're not going to mm-hmm. tell me that they love me but mm-hmm. they had like all just nice food, food on the table and then i then i, I ate my food and then it's fine I totally
1: get that though I totally get the teen girl obsession because I as I was obsessed with Backstreet Boys but also obsessed with NSYNC and then when Justin Timberlake then like did his solo thing and like again I just became completely obsessed with him and then me and my friend were just in love and it was that yeah teen (laughs) obsession that you're talking about and we I remember yeah one break time we decided to take ourselves into like one of the private study areas and we were like right he's in the UK he's got a concert let's write him a letter (laughs) because he's gonna read this letter and it's gonna be life-changing for him obviously so we both wrote like two sides of A4 each about like declaring our love for him and everything that we just like loved about him and I can't even remember what we did with the letter, but we were, yeah, we just took it so seriously because we, we were like, he's going to read it and this is going to make him see how amazing we are. And then he's going to want to marry us. So of course, <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> Gosh, I worry about our daughters when they grow up. Is this what we're going to have to deal with?
0: I know, I know. Oh, gosh. Anyway, I feel like I've totally taken over. You know, on my note no, I, I, like I didn't write anything about Backstreet Boys. I've, Backstreet just, Boys about. I've just been like, oh, can you do an intro? Can we talk about how you became a Can we talk about our children? Can we talk about this? Can we talk about that? Nothing about Backstreet Boys. <sighs> okay, let's start from the beginning. <laughs> let's start from the beginning. Steph, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Oh my gosh, I think you just did such a good job. Yeah, apart from being completely Backstreet Boys obsessed, I am a professional. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm a GP. I've been a GP for, gosh, I can't even about, so it's been a GP for seven years now, but been a doctor for 12 years. I am based in southwest London. I live with my husband and we've got two little girls. So my elder, she's Four and a half. My youngest is at one and a half, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I obviously work part time. But then I started my Instagram page quite a few years ago now, just sharing health information for parents. It came about because I was part of like an antenatal group, like an NCT Mm -hmm. type group that like a lot of parents will join. And what I noticed was that after our babies were born, there were just lots of questions flying around. Everyone knew that I was the GP in the group, so I was getting most of the questions being like is this normal? And I just through that, I realized that actually, even though I thought all of the information was out there, I thought, okay, let me combine a bit of health information on Instagram. Like that's where parents are like scrolling at 3am in the morning. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just gone from there. And I really, really love it. So I'll share a bit about like my uh, like day-to-day life, health info, but also personal things. So my eldest, she's got lots of food allergies. So I'll share how our experience and like how we're managing that. And then also we went through uh, fertility treatment as well. So my youngest, she's an IVF baby. So again, something that I think is just people just don't talk about enough. So I will share information, our experience of that, just trying to help to raise awareness, break the stigma as well around mm-hmm. it. So I do that too. And then yeah, like you said, Medic Mum podcast, which we started during lockdown as well, like I exactly love the same it. as you. I
0: love it. And are you yeah. coming back with a new series? I saw in um we oh, I have like to talk about it. No. Yeah, no no no, yeah. we are
1: definitely. I love the <laughs> I love the promo, thanks Georgie. But yeah, we've got some, our new episode is out yeah. this week and I mean, you know how it is, like you're trying to balance doing something regular like this with your like normal day job and everything else in between is tricky, but I've really enjoyed doing it. So we've, yeah, we started recording again and just pushing the episodes out. So yeah. Do you want to have a listen? Go and have a listen.
0: It's so good. <laughs> okay. Right. Let's just pause for a second. I want to, yeah. I want to go back, 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 back. So what's made you want to become a doctor. I'm very interested in this because mm. there is, a, is it a stigma, is it stereotype? I don't know, or pressure. Yeah, from, yeah, totally. From Asian parents that they 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 want their children to be doctors, dentists, lawyers, mm-hmm. like high professionals. So yeah. I just want to ask you, was it basically Steph, was it your choice? Or was, was it my, my or was it pressure? Did you fall into the pressure? <laughs> Do you know what?
1: This is, so actually, I, the reason I wanted to do medicine is because I loved subjects like biology and chemistry at school. I was also obsessed with the film, not film, the series ER. Did you ever watch it? Yes, with George Clooney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Exactly, of course. I was completely obsessed with that as well. And obviously the day-to-day job is nothing like ER at all. Mm-hmm. sadly. No George Clooney is around. But yeah, I think that just planted the seed in my mind. I actually initially wanted to be a lawyer as well. And then we had this careers day at school and I spoke to this barrister and bless him, he was like the most boring person ever. Mm-hmm. Sorry to any barrister out there, I'm sure you're not boring, but he was just not a good representation <laughs> of the profession. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. And then I started looking into medicine. And funnily enough, you're so right. There is a stereotype about Asian parents and wanting their kids to be mm-hmm. certain professions. When I told my mum and dad that I was thinking of becoming a doctor, they were actually, they actually tried to discourage me from doing it.
0: No. What
1: horror. <sighs> I know. Like, whoa. A lot of people probably won't believe me, but they did because what, and I think I was really surprised as well. I was like, great, I'm going to tell mum and dad that I'm thinking of doing medicine and it's going to be like, ah, like a light bulb moment for them. But I think they they were just like, firstly, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work. Are you sure you want to do this? You're going to have to work really hard for six years at university. If you're not into it, better just to choose something else. And also I think that they just... It was a lot of responsibility and everything. I think they just wanted to really make sure that I had a passion for it and that also I wasn't doing it because I thought that they expected me to do it as well. Mm-hmm. So I think they wanted me to just, yeah, be really sure that that was the decision mm-hmm. and that was the career path that I wanted to make. After that, they had full support. But even though I'm a fully qualified doctor, I obviously still think they know better when it comes to health. Of of course. My parents are probably the same mom's always like drink this eat that
0: <laughs> yeah here's some here's some more Chinese soup that will make Obviously. your eyes brighter or something or oh yeah and your Chinese hair soup. shinier yeah <laughs> like, okay it's fine I'll just drink it anyway though so oh that's okay. so amazing and then you met your husband I did and met yeah. my husband
1: at medical school so yeah. he's also a GP so like really boring we yeah went to medical school together and ended up doing GP as well but met him pretty much on the first day but we were friends oh, first. Oh that's so
0: cute.
1: <laughs> we were friends first though I actually had a boyfriend from school at the time yeah and then we broke up. Was it and Nick then- Carter? <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> yeah, it, was Kevin it was Justin Timberlake actually <laughs> but I left him for my husband yeah and then so actually my husband and I have been together for a scary number of years we've mm-hmm. been together for since 2006 mm-hmm. so what's that 16 years
0: wow long time yeah, I
1: know long time it's a very long, long time, time. Um, yeah yeah
0: Oh, nice. And you've got two beautiful little girls.
1: We do. Obviously, I think they're so cute. Uh, Yeah, I just, oh, I love them so much. They're just so sweet. But oh my gosh, it's like, it's like the hardest thing ever. Mm. I don't think anything can prepare you for parenthood but it's so so nice as well at the same yeah. time and I think we just feel super lucky as well because there were points where I mentioned that we went through fertility treatment and stuff there yeah. were points where we just weren't sure whether or not we'd have a family at all so just feel super lucky
0: you know happened. what it's it's so relatable because so I'm going to share here I had a really dodgy smear uh a smear test and before I'd met you and so I think it's around 2008 to, yeah about 2008 ish it wasn't mm-hmm. too long after I moved down to London and and I was young as well oh, I can't remember oh, in my in my 20s <laughs> and um I had a smear it was the first smear that I had and the results came and it it was i had abnormal cells is that what you say but Mm -hmm. i I didn't really understand anything at the time but they but all i remember is that they were saying these cells can become cancerous is that right Mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah 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 so they said we have to get it treated so i had like a laser treatment had colposcopy colposcopy
1: yeah
0: and i remember there was a hpv word and yeah, I had laser treatment, so that's fine. So I got it removed and everything was fine. And for anyone who's not had a smear test, any women who's not had a smear test, I would really encourage you to get it. The the point which I'm trying to make is when I got treated, mm. the they did say to me that i have got a PCOS. Now I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> and they're like well you've got polycystic ovary syndrome I don't know what that is so they were just like well if you if you ever wanted to conceive it just might be a little bit harder and I was like well I'm only like 25 so I'm just a baby you know I was just like this young kid I think I was like I think I was like I acted immature mm-hmm. so I didn't really know anything and then and obviously all these years have passed by and then it got to a point where Ewan and I were like right okay we, you know we want to start a family mm. and I this is I think I was about thirty-six when I'd made this when we'd made the decision. Ewan's a few years younger than me. So I was like thirty-five, thirty-six. And I just remember in the back of my mind, I I knew that when I was in my twenties, the doctor said that I had PCOS and so then that was playing on me but I think when when we initially started trying I had uh, I did quite a lot of research I used this app where you had to take your temperature every morning so it basically meant that every morning I'd be taking my temperature and then every morning I'd wake up and thought the first thing I thought about was like having a baby and I know that certain things work for some people but that just didn't work for Mm. me and it went on for ages I was just like why am I not getting pregnant I was Mm. like oh this is really frustrating and then the longer I'd got to I had another birthday I think I turned like 36 or whatever it is and I was like oh this is really like it's just so frustrating and then I did actually go to a doctor and I was just like look I, I want to have a baby I've been told a few years ago that I've got polycystic ovary syndrome and my partner and I we've been trying for quite some time we just not really nothing's really happening and then we had to go through some tests had some blood tests and stuff and again I'll tell you this stuff but I don't know if it's allowed to go on the pod yeah, but no Ewan course. had to do do the thing yeah, they they a do do the semen analysis yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Do. they
1: do and then I had to I had it's a really th- strange thing for them to do. Yeah. It? Like, but,
0: yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, he took one for the team. And I, and I should have been a lot more supportive. <laughs> but he came in, I saw him that when I came in uh, afterwards. I uh, he walked through the door and I went, Ewan, have you met any wankers today? <laughs> oh, my oh I love. <laughs> shut up shut up so and yeah uh, no of course
1: I totally get it it's just even now having been through it so we went through yeah like months of waiting and trying and I think your first thought is hang on a second we're trying in our like whenever you start having sex and stuff we're trying not to get pregnant
0: because mm. we think
1: that it's like super easy to get pregnant and you're talk about contraception at school and all of this stuff and safe and responsible sex which is obviously very good so you think okay when as soon as you stop using contraception it's just going to happen like that Mm. isn't it and then it doesn't and Mm. you just start thinking okay well maybe a few more more months but then the time passes and the only way I can describe it is that you feel like you're just like stuck in this like limbo Mm -hmm. don't you like life is going on and you're just still waiting for thing to happen and it's not happening Mm. and you have no control over it. And it's just really frustrating. Like you don't know what's going to happen. And I always said to Akash, my husband, I was always like, do you know what? If someone could just sit us down and say, it's going to take a few years, you're going to have to do X, Y, and Z, Mm but it'll happen you'll fall pregnant in 3 years time i would be like okay that's fine because then you could feel like you have got you can get your game face on and just get through it and do it but just not knowing mm. is just the
0: hardest thing oh it's so isn't tough it? it's so, so hard tough. yeah
1: so the the statistic is that the majority of couples so i think it's 84 86% of couples will conceive within the first year of trying mm. so in the first 12 months and so you start thinking about that Then suddenly, like... A year doesn't actually seem like very long because you're like, mm. okay, a year's got 12 months. That's like 12 goes. And you're thinking, mm-hmm. okay, maybe like three or four months has passed already. That's already like a quarter of it. Mm. We, and you know, you start really, you can really start to overthink and it totally just consumes you, doesn't it?
0: Oh, 100%. And it's just small things like you get invited to like a festival or a wedding. It's like, well, what if I'm pregnant? Yeah. Like, then I can't yes. go. Then I don't want to yes. book my flight because I might be pregnant. And what the I can't yes. get money back? Oh my God, oh, honestly. Yeah. yeah Yeah, we had so
1: many of those moments actually so much yeah we actually ended up because we got married in the second year of our GP trainings and then we finished GP training and that's like a nice clean cut and you then obviously can start working doing whatever you want to do and so Akash was like look we never get as with many people with annual leave and stuff from work you never get more than a week maybe two weeks at a push he was like let's take like a six eight week break let's go traveling somewhere and let's see we had been trying for I don't know about yeah about like six or eight months by then Mm. and then all I could we so we went to South America but all I could think of when we were planning it was I was like what if I'm pregnant like South America is not the best place to be Mm. maybe we shouldn't go maybe we just shouldn't do it at all and he was like I know I get it but he was like already we feel like we're putting everything on hold and we're just Mm. waiting. And he was like, what if it doesn't happen? And then this opportunity just passes us by. He was Mm. like, if you fall pregnant by then, that's fine. We'll deal with it when we get there, but let's just do it. And I was like, Mm. yeah, okay then. And do you know what? I'm so glad that we did it. Obviously I did not fall pregnant, but it was like the best trip ever. But yeah, you really feel like you're, you put your whole life on hold and just waiting 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 so
0: and it's like when when you're trying to get pregnant and then your period comes and it's like oh it's oh, just
1: like yeah
0: it just yeah I just get so annoyed for that day but then the next day I'm like right okay just need to start again mm-hmm. and all on and I don't and I didn't tell anyone I was trying to have a baby I didn't tell mm-hmm. like anyone at all apart from Ewan so it's very secretive mm-hmm. and so I just felt like, felt like I couldn't really speak about it Mm. But then, but we did go through some tests and then we had an appointment at the fertility clinic through the NHS and they discussed our results, Ewan's, um, Ewan's sperm or semen. Whatever the scientific word is for it was fine. But he yeah. did say, Yeah, you've got polycystic ovary syndromes. And then mm-hmm. they did say something like, my left ovary doesn't work, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but my right one, but my right one's okay. But the the weird thing is that actual appointment, I was actually pregnant, but I didn't know. I was actually <sighs> pregnant and so yeah it was so so I, so i got there and I, and i'm yeah. so so lucky i'm extremely yeah. lucky because at that appointment they it was just more of a consultation and it wasn't a yes or no to whether they would they would give me the treatment because they have to assess you and when i found out i was pregnant i was like oh wow but i felt it was very bittersweet because I just remember when I was sat there in a the waiting room with you and there were other couples there as well. Mm. So it was good for me to know that I took a pregnancy test and I was pregnant um, after what like months, yeah, like over definitely. a year of trying or whatever it was. Yeah. But then I did think about all the all the other people, not just in the waiting room, but just all the other people out there in the world that that are struggling. And it was it was very bittersweet being early
1: no it's hard it is hard and and I think the thing is it's a really difficult thing to talk about and I we were very similar to you and that the first time when we were trying I mean we had made it no secret that we really wanted to have a family and so when it wasn't happening we were like what's going on and obviously like well-meaning friends and stuff they'd be like oh so have you thought about starting to have a family and stuff and Mm -hmm we were like, yeah, maybe. I didn't really want to say anything. Mm. And it's such a personal thing, isn't it? It's such a personal thing that you're going through. And I don't think at that point anyway, I just wasn't a very sherry type person. I think I was brought up in a way to, to actually showing not weaknesses, because I don't want to think of it as a weakness, but showing the vulnerable side of you is not a good idea. Mm -hmm. And that's not what you're meant to do. And so I guess I put this in that box and I was like, okay, well, it makes me vulnerable and I just, I don't feel comfortable sharing it. And so not many people knew, came up with our standard excuse of, oh yeah, we want to go traveling first and then we'll settle down maybe a little bit later. We ended up going through a round of IVF which didn't work. Oh, but really? Interesting. Yeah. So it didn't work. So interestingly, again, all of our tests were absolutely fine. They like couldn't find any problems, which again was reassuring. But then you're like, but then what's wrong? Like, what's mm. going on then? And then, so when the first cycle didn't work, we were like completely devastated. We were like, what are we going to do? I was like, I'm not sure I can go through that again. But like, I knew that I would have to, but I thought, mm. okay, let's just take a break, regroup. And in that appointment, I still remember the consultant that we saw, he was like, well, Keep trying because you never know. And obviously, the whole appointment had been quite like somber. But me and Akash just looked at each other. We just like burst out laughing because we're like, "Keep, keep trying." <laughs> like we've <laughs> we've been trying for like like you said like fifteen months. You and we've had IVF and it hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. And you think that we're still going to be able to like do this? But he was right. Mm-hmm. So the next month after that, I found out that I was pregnant, and that had just happened. Wow. Naturally. I'm, I have no doubt that the treatment that we'd had, like the loads of hormonal injections and all of that stuff had somehow done something. And I think that just, that just shows that there's still so much that we don't know about fertility treatment. But yeah, so that, that happened. And only then after I found out I was pregnant, did I then tell all everyone, like my friends and stuff, like mm-hmm. the backstory about what had happened fast forward to then trying to have a second baby and I actually I think there's also something about becoming a parent you're just so much more open to sharing and Mm -hmm. I like I was really open with all of my friends I was like we want to have another baby it's been six months we're just going to go back to the fertility clinic again Mm -hmm. and see the same people and just try we had some embryos left over from that were frozen left over from the first IVF cycle right okay five left and they were like, What okay, embryo well. is that
0: is that the egg?
1: Egg, yes. Yeah, so it's uh, the fertilized egg.
0: Oh wow.
1: So it would have, they would have been like day three or day four? They fertilize them. And so the first time around, they chose the ones that looked the best in inverted commas. They have lots of different criteria that they look at and then they choose them. But because we had been really lucky and managed to have like lots of really good viable eggs that they could use, there were some that were left over. So Mm -hmm. they were like, do you want to freeze them at the time? So I was like, yeah, of course. So we had five that were frozen. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit easier because the first time around, you have to start from scratch. So you Mm -hmm. have to stimulate the ovaries, collect all the eggs, do everything. Whereas this, it was like, okay, well, they're already there we just Mm -hmm. have to get you ready and transfer them at the right time Mm -hmm. we kind of were very open and told everyone came to the day of the transfer and they have to basically defrost the eggs Mm -hmm. like you would you know Stuff from your freezer. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say like, defrosted
0: chicken, just, but I didn't want yeah, to say that. No, oh, it yeah, is. <laughs> it's just
1: like defrosting <laughs> a chicken. It's just incredible what they can do. So you have to wait, and then they call you and update you. So we had five, and they called them and said, "Okay, we've managed to defrost one. That's great. We're going to carry on and do the others now." We were like, "Yeah, okay." And then, so we'd given permission. You can have a maximum transfer of two embryos mm-hmm. in the UK. In the US, I think it's like three, but here it's like a maximum of two. So we had given, agreed to say, yeah, what we would like to. So they were like, okay, well, we'll carry on. And then I think they tried the third and fourth and then we got a call and said we're really sorry like we've defrosted them but they haven't survived what do you want to do do you want us to carry on try and see what happens with the other two or do you want us to stop and just have them we were like well no just carry on so then they carried on and Dickie had defrosted all of them but those ones didn't survive either so there was this oh, one really? embryo yeah so there was this one embryo left that they were like well we're ready to we can we were, I know we'd planned for two but we can only transfer one today they're like we're really sorry this has happened. It's actually really unusual um, for this to happen. Usually they were expecting more to survive. But we were like, oh, okay, we're already feeling like quite down in the dumps because we were like our first IVF cycle that we had before our eldest sorry this is a bit confusing no 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 (laughs) before 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 our eldest we'd had two transferred and that didn't work so we were like well that didn't work Mm -hmm. we've only got one this time so feeling like really disheartened it's like the longest they did the transfer it's like the longest you have to wait for two weeks to see if it will take or not it's like the longest two weeks ever
0: yeah i bet it is
1: um and then you have to go in for a blood test then they ring you for the result to tell you. I literally, like, I couldn't speak. Akash had to like take the phone from me because I'd like just frozen. But I was pregnant.
0: I know that one oh, on, on the call.
1: Yeah, the one embryo. So oh, I wow. like, had the test and everything. So yeah, that, that <gasps> one embryo that we'd had worked. Wow. So, yeah, I, we couldn't believe it, but we were just super super happy. And now she's sleeping downstairs oh in her gosh. room so yeah we feel super lucky but equally like you said even though we've been, went, been through a lot mm. the people that I met through the clinic and stuff you just listen to some people's stories mm. and they've been trying for, for so long been through mm. so many cycles so we almost feel like we're the lucky ones yeah. because we've got the ending that we were wishing for so much so yeah it's a really it, I think it's a really, it's a really, really difficult thing to go mm. through. But not just fertility treatment, like you said, even trying to conceive, it it's taking a long time. And although you didn't need to have any treatment, you got to the point where you thought you might do. Mm. And even for people who have maybe been trying for like four, five, six months, mm. even though for some people they might think, oh, that doesn't sound like very long, it's just it just takes over your head,
0: hundred percent, hundred percent, and then, and like, then yeah. And then it's like when you're trying and then you hear from other people that maybe another friend has got pregnant and Mm -hmm. it was very difficult for me to be happy Mm -hmm. for it. I'm just going to say it. It's very difficult for me to to be truthfully. I was happy for them, but I was also very jealous, extremely jealous. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be the one to announce that I was pregnant. I wanted to be the one that goes into whatsapp and shares a picture of my scan i wanted to be the one that goes into john lewis whatever mother care just to Mm -hmm. go into mother care because i had a reason to go into mother care i wanted to be that person i wanted Mm -hmm. the baby shower it's very so it was very me 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 like why can't why won't this happen to me Mm -hmm. but and i know what you're saying i think you said 80% of people fall pregnant Mm. within a year so i guess for me like on Paper, when you kind of saying it out loud, it doesn't really feel that long. When I was on that journey that mm. year, having 12 periods that year that were completely un- unwelcomed.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. The so, bad I as mean, it is.
0: And yeah. at this point, I was going through quite a few tests anyway. I was waiting for the results. And then we got an appointment at the fertility clinic. And then yeah but oh my god anyone it's like just thinking back now it was just such a and an, an anxious a time isn't it, yeah, yeah tough time very anxious there's like all I wanted was to have a baby and to start a family mm. and I, I was so desperate for it so 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 desperate for it and I've been broody for quite a few years as well but mm. just at the time when I was feeling broody together we just weren't ready and like Mm -hmm. we both wanted to be ready and stuff so but yeah Yeah. so I know yeah. (laughs) yeah
1: it's tough and I'm sure so many people are going through it and maybe haven't spoken to anyone about it you don't have to but if there's one person that maybe you can share it with you might just feel a little bit better but know that you are definitely not alone there are lots of other people going through it as well and I think that's why I feel and maybe maybe you do as well because it, it's not something that you just will randomly bring up in conversation mm. really with people like you said you make yourself really vulnerable but I'm sure that it's nice for people
0: to hear mm-hmm.
1: to hear other stories as yeah
0: well. it is yeah definitely I wanted to speak to you about your your eldest daughter because mm. I on your recent post I've seen that she's taking part in a peanut trial, peanut mm. allergy trial.
1: Yes, yeah. I don't
0: know if I can yeah. read that right. No, or, that's or correct.
1: Wrong. That is correct.
0: But yeah, um, I wondered if you could share a bit more about your story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, my eldest has got a quite a few food allergies. As I mentioned at the beginning, and one of them is peanut. And so with allergies, it's really difficult to to manage and there's no cure as such, but there is something called immunotherapy. And I guess the whole, you know, immunotherapy in a nutshell is basically trying to get your body to get used to it so what happens with allergies is that it comes into contact with something and your immune system just goes whoa that is not something that we like completely rejects it and then causes all of these symptoms whereas which is an abnormal response obviously most people can have these things and are absolutely fine so the immunotherapy the whole point is to try and tone down that response and get your body used to that protein that that food and so what she's on is a peanut one and so I think they're trialing lots of different ones at the moment but she basically has to put a patch on so it's like a little sticker that she puts on the back on her back and you change it every 24 hours she's been on that for a couple of years now Mm -hmm. and you basically obviously go to the hospital every so often to have some tests and check in what they do at the very beginning before they've even started is they check to see how allergic you are to Mm -hmm. that thing. So you take them in and they do something called a food challenge. So they've basically got like increasing doses of peanut. It's in this like syringe, it's this like yucky brown liquid that they've got to have, but they start really small. So the first dose is one three hundredth of a peanut. So like a regular peanut that you've got Mm -hmm. in the Chinese restaurant, in the you know the dish that they bring you at the <laughs> beginning, one three hundredth of that is the first dose. And she reacted to that. Really? So yeah. So she started getting like runny nose, like watery eyes, <laughs> sneezing. So they were like, okay, we're not going to give her any more. Um, she's she's definitely allergic to it. <laughs> so like, okay, fine. Fast forward two years of being on this trial. This is like a summary version. She had the food challenge done again and she managed to get up to a whole dose, sorry, a whole peanut. So they really? put to a whole peanut, yeah. So it has actually been incredible. So the, the whole point, with some immunotherapy, it might be that you are able to eat that food on a daily basis. That's not the point of the peanut one. She's not going to be able to like eat a peanut butter sandwich anytime soon. But if there's a if there's peanuts that have been used in cooking for example or she comes across someone who's like had some peanut butter and like swipes it on her face or something like that hopefully she won't have a really severe reaction because of this immunotherapy that she's had so it's actually been like incredible in terms of the results that we've seen so far but last week what happened when we went to the hospitals we had another one of those food challenges because again they just do them every so often just to Mm -hmm. check and see so she's had these food challenges before and been absolutely fine but what happened this time was we got up to one of the higher doses and um she obviously started having a reaction so she had like hives that came up on her body Mm -hmm. which can happen and she started getting a bit of a runny nose but she started coughing as well. And she, so they gave her a couple of doses of antihistamine, just like a liquid. That's the first step that you would do. But then it looked like her symptoms just weren't getting any better and the liquid takes a little bit of time to to work anyway so to cut a long story short they basically made this decision to give her her adrenaline pen or an epi pen as most people will kind of know it as and we've never had we, we obviously we carry them with us as her like emergency medication as a lot of people will do but we've never had to give her one before and so them having to make the decision to do that was I it was completely unexpected. Cause like I said, she's done these challenges before and she has been absolutely fine. And so I remember at one point the doctor said, okay, well, look, she's still coughing. I think she's had a couple of doses. Let's just get the, let's just get the EpiPen ready and you will see. And I think in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, fine. She's just being cautious, being prepared, but she she won't need it. And then as time went on, it looked like that she would need it. And I think I was just, yeah, it was just a really surreal moment. Obviously, super scary having to see like your child in such a vulnerable position and needing something like this. So, I think most people think of will have heard of epipens, and you give them in emergency. And it wasn't necessarily dramatic in that she was unconscious or anything like that, but they just wanted to stop things from getting worse. So, they had to give it to her poor thing. I was like hugging her so tightly. Oh. Like I'm trying not to like absolutely have like a meltdown because I don't want her to see me getting upset about it. But luckily medicine worked like super quickly, really mm. efficient, like it's meant to. Sometimes they have what's called a biphasic reaction. So sometimes even 10, 15 minutes after having the medicine, they can still have like a worsening of symptoms, but luckily she was absolutely fine. Mm. And so we just had to stay in hospital observe her for four more hours and she was fine and then we were allowed to leave so Mm. luckily for her it was really effective it worked well and yeah but it was it was scary and I think that you think gosh we're doing this trial to try and help her but Sometimes you think, are we really helping her? She had to, she's, she's got to go through this. She's got to go through like blood tests and these like skin prick tests every mm. so often, which she really doesn't like having done. And you do start questioning yourself. You're like, am I putting her in a risky situation? What's, what this is this? So, this is so stupid. Mm. But, you know, had a chat with my husband and we were like, look, long-term it hopefully it will be really really beneficial Mm. potentially life-changing for her and also it contributes to research so the whole point of the trial is that it's lots of people are on the trial gathering lots of data about it so that hopefully one day this thing can be licensed to actually be used like in the nhs or as as a treatment for people with peanut allergies so we're kind of like okay long you know long-term gains but yeah, it is. It is scary, but it's been really nice to hear from some other people who are on the trial as well and who've had different experiences as well. It's difficult as a parent to see yeah. to see your little one go through that. As much as I'm a GP, like I think they were trying to explain all the medical stuff to me at the time, and I was, I think I was just like, honestly, don't worry, you don't have to like tell me about it. I trust what you're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: don- just just do whatever you have to do. Because mm. I just wasn't thinking straight. <laughs>
0: Did you go into mummy mode, like rather than GP total mode? Mum, yeah. yeah, total
1: mummy mode. And that's why I said to them, I was like, I'm mum today. I was like, you don't worry about me being a GP. I think you do get anxious. I get patients who are medical as well. And especially if you're then looking after, a, you know, a um, fellow like colleague's daughter or son, mm. you are, you do feel that pressure a little bit. But I said to them, I was like, please don't worry. I'm not questioning. Mm. I'm not, I, I trust you, you guys. I'm not an allergy Specialist, you are so Mm. please just do what you normally would do.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize seeds and nuts were in the same category or that can be classed in the same category. Mm -hmm. My my sister and my niece and nephews they all came to London and they all came around to mine. Yeah, they all came around to my this is probably about 10 years ago. So, my nephew was quite young then i think he must have been about 8 i just made everyone snacks i made the i can't remember something like east london like avocado on <laughs> rye bread or something but i got the um not rye bread i got the rivita but it had seeds in it pumpkin seeds mm. not pumpkin mm. seeds it had some sort of seed in it maybe sesame seeds or something and mm. uh, but in my head i bought it because i was aware that he was coming to visit me and i know that he can't have seafood any type of seafood or nuts so I thought this Rivita would be fine. He took one bite of it and Mm. then he just had a really big allergy attack I guess. Yeah. And he was being he's been sick. He Um, felt his saliva building up he he felt his 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 mouth was closing in. Well he said so because I don't have it Mm. I I don't know he and he's trying to explain to me and he said he's like I can't explain to you but I just know when allergy is happening but I honestly Steph I felt so bad because I was like oh my god yeah. I was like should I should I call 999 what do I do I didn't realize it and my sister's like it's got seeds it's got seeds somewhere but that's not enough and she's like it is it is I'm like oh my god I don't know I don't and I was just like and he was in the bathroom being sick and he just wanted to be on a cold floor and I was just like oh my god this is like I felt awful and even till this day he's I mean he's like 20 now and he said to me that one of his his the worst allergies he's had One was at my house in London but honestly all he did was he just took a small bite of it and also the other thing that I wanted to share was when I go out to restaurants um with him and I think he he just he doesn't like going to restaurants because he's he has to have this conversation with the waiters Mm. and waitresses and stuff Mm. and he's got to be like right okay well I'm allergic to to seafood and I'm allergic to nuts and then I think the the people who serve us obviously they just want to do their job and they want to make sure that nothing's contaminated but but I think what what my nephew Chung Chung said is sometimes they make a really really big deal out of it when it's like mm-hmm. he doesn't like it and then that's why he doesn't mm. really like going out and there's one time we went to um, a steakhouse and they also have seafood there as well and then um chong just like oh i don't need, just let you know i don't eat nuts i don't eat seafood uh no shellfish or anything and then they're like and i can't remember i think i think we were just they're trying to say that they cook the the seafood and the steak on the same grill or something mm. and that's like right but i think that was fine for him but anyway and then and then the waitress was like oh how how allergic are you and then chung mm. chung's like well it's still an allergy so it's not like whether i have a small allergic reaction or big it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, an allergy so yeah. i do feel there's I don't know lack of awareness I guess
1: no I agree I agree and I think what you've illustrated well like that what you've shared is it just highlights probably some of the main problems that people will come across so the first thing is if you're not used to dealing with allergies what how do you manage how do you deal with someone coming over to your house who does have allergies how does that communication happen about what's safe for them to eat. That's something that we're. Na- I'm having to navigate at the moment mm-hmm. because my elder, she started school now. So she's doing more playdates and stuff. Mm-hmm. There are more birthday parties. And so I've found that I've got to be really like clear with the other parents as well. They're also worried because they don't want to give her mm-hmm. anything, obviously that would, that she can't have. And so, yeah, it's it's really tricky. And sometimes because she's got multiple food allergies people so one of them being dairy I think most people remembered like dairy free but then forget the other ones so sometimes I'll be like oh this is dairy free like at a birthday party or something I'm like okay does it have anything else and they're like oh I'm not sure Mm -hmm. so like sometimes even though you will say and maybe they have mentioned to the venue the message doesn't always filter down and it always isn't as clear and so I think that that's a really difficult bit to navigate and then yeah going out as well I think that People have really had to up their game in terms of like food labeling, restaurants and stuff. So many people have allergies nowadays, and even just dietary preferences. Mm-hmm. So I think that some, and we have our favoured ones that like a really good like Wagamama's is always amazing because they make everything like super fresh, and they'll. Only the manager can come and take the allergy order, you know. So they've they've got systems in place. So I think mm-hmm. a lot of restaurants are good, but it could be better still. Mm. And even just, yeah, the understanding of allergies as well and what it means, like you said, how allergic are you? It doesn't really matter. It's an yeah. allergy, you still have to take it seriously. Like, will you only say take it seriously if I say that I've got epipens, if I have anaphylaxis and stuff? So yeah it's 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 really tricky and I think the the wonderful thing about things like Instagram social media as well is that there are so many different communities and mm. there's a really great allergy community on there as well where people are doing like great things to like help parents navigate it as they grow older as well like you were saying your nephew he doesn't like going out because I really want to make a big deal about mm. it probably because he's at that age where you don't want to feel different. You want mm-hmm. to fit in. And so if you go out and like with your friends and you've got to mm-hmm. talk about your allergies, potentially that's something that you feel really self-conscious about, but equally it is something important to say as yeah. well. And you don't want them to be in a situation where they compromise. Yeah. Yeah and think oh it'll be fine but potentially they're putting themselves at risk like it's so difficult it's so difficult there's so much like psychology involved as well Mm -hmm. so there are loads of great people doing like things about that there's a mum who I saw recently she had campaigned to like put up this sign in her local park that basically said let's all be allergy aware because obviously in the park like you're running around but people have got snacks and stuff so that they were just saying could we keep this like a nut free like zone mm-hmm. but if you have any snacks because people can be allergic to all sorts mm. of stuff nowadays um I met someone who's allergic to chicken the other day like it's just incredible like the the varying allergies you can have just like be aware, make sure you eat in one place. Don't carry the snack around. Like wipe your hands before you go back and play on the equipment mm-hmm. because obviously some, someone might come along and like yeah, that's a really good thing. point. Yeah, which again, like point. I, I hadn't even thought about when I went to the playground. So like little things like that, which mm-hmm. I think slowly making slowly making a difference.
0: Yeah, that's a good point because I think Sadie, she yeah, I have to be quite careful because if Sadie's got like a tub of snacks or something, she'll like share it with her yeah. friends or yes. with other your, other people in the park, which is great because I I, I want her to share it. It took me ages to yeah, get her yeah. to share. She doesn't always do it, but I think that's uh, just a good reminder for me before she does it, maybe just speak to the parents and say, oh, can she have this, yeah. this cracker? It's got, it's just like a rice cracker or something. So yeah, yeah exactly. amazing. Before we go, if anyone here wants to, I don't know, I was going to say check you out, but that sounds stalk me. <laughs> if anyone wants to check you out, slide into your DMs. Check whatever. Where can they go? Where can they find you? Oh
1: well, you can find me on Instagram at the GP mum. Or yeah, that's the best place to find me, really. Or you can listen to our podcast, which is the Medic Mum podcast as well. But yeah. I will be there on
0: Instagram. You, and you do to... the show. You do the show with Poonam as well, and I love yeah. her. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. She, I saw that she so was on good. um, she was on ITV, GMTV one time. I went, oh my god, is that you?
1: Oh my god, she is a proper like celeb jock because she's celeb. got a she's got like a regular slot on BBC Morning Live now.
0: That's um, it, that's she it, She yeah. is,
1: yeah, she, as the, like, resident doctor talking about health stuff, she's she's killing it. It's, yeah, it's really cool to see how she's doing so well. Yeah, she's, she's got, just so nice, like, lovely, yeah. and just, like, so bubbly as well. Oh, yeah, I we love her. She
0: has such a lovely Scottish accent as well. Because oh she does, doesn't she? She's so she's good. A,
1: whenever we're recording, she's like, Steph, you sound so, like, posh and all this stuff, and I'm like, Poonam, I could listen to you talk all day I love like the Scottish accent yeah so so good
0: anyway Steph it's been so so lovely to finally finally speak to you to see your face uh we have to go for dim sum we have to have like a kids date as well we should definitely do that that. we'll do that yeah let's do that because I saw um um, your I think when you went on a holiday your two girls had matchy dresses on that are from Next. I think it's like the pastel colored yeah. one. Yeah, yeah and one. Got it. Yeah, oh, I remember my, you my messaged me. Like, oh, oh, they should get so in a day and they should all wear
1: the dresses. Oh my gosh, that would be so cute. They'll still fit. They'll still fit in them in the in the summer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'd love to do that. But thank and you so much for having me on. I, no. I I love you I love your podcast, and Aww. I have to say, like, I was super excited. I said to my husband, I was like, but it's. It almost feels like this is going to sound so geeky like acceptance (laughs) from the like BBC, like Chinese community.
0: I know because
1: (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like such a I mean, you know what it's like, like growing up. You just feel like you're like in between and you're not sure like where you sit and stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah, where's
0: the community? Yeah, yeah. I just just said, I just said, I'm a gouge. I need to make a habit of translating things. Cantonese versions to English. <laughs> but I'm a gaucho. I don't know how to. Exp- I'm a gaucho. Is that are you kidding like, me?
1: Are you joking? Yeah, you yeah. Joking? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't be. Yeah. Don't be silly. That type of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh God, there are some no, things
1: but... that you just can't translate, though.
0: No. Definitely. At the moment, I can't translate the swear words because I don't actually know what the swear words actually mean. I won't say them out loud. Too. Yeah, but all the Chinese swear words are all about your mum. And I think now because I'm a mum, I'm like, oh, I don't like it Don't say that.
1: I need to because I can. I can understand Cantonese. My mum will speak to me in Cantonese. My accent is bad. It sounds right in my head, and then when it comes out, it just doesn't sound right. I can order dim sum, but basically, we need to get together and you need to give me Cantonese lessons. That's
0: <laughs> to do <laughs> Cantonese, so I don't know. Oh my god,
1: it's so good compared to mine. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, you. yeah. Definitely. If I can get to, if I can get to your level, I'll be happy.
0: Wow, you that's such a as compliment. mom <laughs> are well, you're listening to this, <laughs> oh Steph, it's been such a good, it's been such a good show. Thank you oh, so, so much for having me. Bye. Yeah, it's been so lovely. Take you. Bye. 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 Thank you